Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. It's wonderful to be gathering together in this way on Easter morning. Easter really is the greatest story ever told. Reading the story of Easter is like discovering another dimension. It's like going to the cinema and putting on those 3D glasses and suddenly seeing that there is more going on in the world than you'd ever expected. It really is the greatest story ever told. Uh, In recent years, that accolade had been given by some to the Harry Potter stories. And yet uh, in 2007, J.K. Rowling, the author of those stories, said that she'd been keeping her own Christian faith secret because she thought that if people knew that she was a Christian, they guess the end of the Harry Potter stories. I won't give away the clue as to what's there, but she knew that she was reworking the most significant elements of Jesus' own story into her own. The story of Jesus' death and resurrection really is it's the greatest story ever told. It's been copied many times often amended and taken to other purposes, but never bettered. What's more extraordinary is that this death of an innocent man who who rose again, it's not just a great story. It, It really happened. His death was recorded by the Roman historian Tacitus right there back in the first century. And the new life that came was proclaimed right around the the whole world. In the part of the story that Thea's just so wonderfully read for us, we've heard how Jesus was treated with hatred, with contempt and with cruelty, and how he responded with love, with kindness and forgiveness. And before he died, he cried out those words, it is finished. It is finished. So a goal was achieved. But what was that goal? Well, amazingly, Jesus dealt with the impossible, with powers greater than us. You know, we're not always aware of our own limitations. There are some things we can control and there are some Uh, mistakes for which we can make amends, but then there are some things that we cannot hope to control, not only out there in the world, but uh, also within ourselves. Often we, we hide or we cover those things out of fear, out of shame, Uh, but those limitations Those very human limitations, they they remain and they affect us every day, every day of our lives. You know, when Jesus was born, uh, his people were more honest than us in facing up to the troubling fact of their their limitations. Uh, And they did it with the help of a simple animal Um, in that society where meat was prized and costly Uh, Even major relational problems could be solved with gifts of meat. Uh, There was a whole temple system, in fact, in which people could symbolically give meat to God. uh, 
And that was a way of saying sorry for sin, a way of averting punishment, a way of renewing relationship with him. And yet there was always this, this niggling awareness of still being in trouble. Once a year, a simple animal would help them. A goat would help them. Uh, hands would be placed on that goat and it would be prayed over to become a burdened beast, uh, burdened with all of the unmet selfishness, stupidity and weakness of the people. And then it was sent outside the city into the wilderness where it would eventually die. So it was never seen again. And in that way, the people could see that they were freed from its, its toxic cargo. All of their weakness and limitation taken away. And that's a picture of what Jesus knew that he was finishing. Uh, he was very clear that he was willing to bear all human selfishness and error and hatred and weakness. All of the things that we can't resolve, the things that are beyond our ability to make right, he was willing to take all this on and he was willing to die so that we can be free. And these words, it is finished, they tell us that that, that was actually achieved. He achieved what was impossible for us to do. And he achieved what was impossible for us because he loves us. You know, it took some time, some years, in fact, for people to, to understand all of this, to grasp quite what Jesus had finished and what he'd begun in its place. But this Easter time, you can bring all of your troubles, your fear, your shame, and you can benefit from this impossible exchange because all things are possible with God. You may know, if you're a geographer, uh, there is a gravel terrace between the Thames and the Charwell rivers. Great big one, left behind by the last ice age. And uh, ever since then, people have lived here in between those rivers uh, in this place. And every year since then, since the last ice age, they've witnessed the arrival of springs, blossoms, of butterflies, ladybirds, uh, even spiders, as we saw in the video there. And then at the very southern tip of that great gravel terrace, where the two rivers meet, the city of Oxford was begun about 1300 years ago was begun with the founding of a monastic community. And that community's greatest celebration was Easter Day. So we could say, it would be true to say, there is no Oxford, there never has been an Oxford without Easter. So the question comes to my mind, what has the Easter of Oxford added to the springtime of old. What has Easter added to springtime? And to hear that, we're going to hear the next part of the story. I'm going to hand back to the Kirk household.
Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started to the tomb, both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came running along behind him and went straight and and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well in the place of cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. But the other. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the other disciple went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in, into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken the Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the other disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them what, what he had said these things to her. Brilliant. Thank you, Lucas. Uh, so there we are. Easter morning. So springtime and Easter. Uh, even as we celebrate spring, we know that the blossoms will pass and their fruit will be consumed and winter will return. That is to say that the natural world, the, the life of the natural world, it flows and it ebbs. We celebrate it whilst we can. Carpe diem, seize the day, some might say for there might not be another like it. And then here, here is Jesus Christ, who does the impossible before breakfast. Here he is, lying in a stone tomb, not a seed waiting to germinate, but a corpse already interred. And then, and then his hollow chest rises and falls 
and rises again. Blackened blood melts red and circulates once more. A muscle twitches. An eye is opened. He rises again. Death is not the end. And neither is there an endless circle or an ebb and flow of life and death. He rises again. There is eternal life. And the risen Jesus is our point of entry. He rises again. Now that he's risen, what will he say, this Lord of all that's impossible? Will we be able to live through what he now speaks? All of creation braces itself for the words from these lips. And he says, Mary. Of all the things that could be said, he approaches an individual and he speaks to her by name. This greatest of all historic events, the rising of Christ, is deeply personal. And after this morning, after this rising from the dead, Jesus did not appear to great crowds in the city streets, but, but mostly to individuals, to a couple, to small groups of people. Because the task that Jesus finished was always aimed at bringing people, women and men and girls and boys into relationship with God, who is a person. Jesus wants us. Jesus wants you. His desire is for you. And once again, there's a simple animal that can help us understand this mystery. Jesus framed this simple animal in a question. He said this, if any of you has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will you do? Won't you leave the, the 99 in the field and go look for the lost sheep until you find it? And when you find it, you'll be so glad. You'll put it on your shoulders, you'll carry it home, and then you'll call in your friends and your neighbours and say, let's celebrate. I found my lost sheep. Ha. If any of you has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what do you do? You, you look for that sheep. You look for that sheep until you find it. And Jesus said these words about a shepherd who searches to explain himself to explain himself to people who'd been confused by his behaviour and would go on to be confused by events. Firstly, as he, in his life on earth, they couldn't understand why he hung around with lost souls. Then they, they didn't know why he'd allowed himself to be executed. And, and then after that, they couldn't grasp the, the meaning of the resurrection. Jesus' answer to all of that was that you go to the ends of the earth 
to find what you truly value. And, and as he said elsewhere, you then lay down your life to rescue them. Jesus loved all people. He loves all people and he has the power to rescue us. He loves you. He can rescue you, too. And that's why he came. Springtime. Springtime reminds us of our position in nature. Easter reminds us of our position with God. Spring is a season of new life. Easter is a celebration of eternal life. Spring is is a time to turn the soil and grow seeds. Easter is a time to turn our eyes and to see Christ. Christ who loves us. Christ who died for us. Christ, who is risen.